Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Wow, what a wonderful day to be able to welcome you again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of my dear friend, Elder David Wise. And as our churches, which were advertised in the introduction, are open at 10.30 a.m. for worship every Sunday morning, we invite you to come to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church or a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. We invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and find Frequently Asked Questions, a church locator, wonderful links, and the archived messages that we have preached on this broadcast before. We invite you to go and make use of that. And also, while you're there, send us an email and let us know that you're listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we invite you to join with us every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at New Covenant Church, 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. And we have a Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship meeting on the grounds of New Covenant Church, and we invite you to come and meet with us. And if you also will go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and uh, activate the notifications, you'll be notified of all of our live streaming of our worship services, and we invite you to join us anytime. Today, we have a series of messages that we are addressing a proper exposition of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. And after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. so much for staying tuned with me here at the Gospel Grace Radio Broadcast. And I'm Joe Nettles, and I want to return again to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. As you know, if you've listened the last couple of times that I've been able to have this time on our radio broadcast, I've been trying to give an exposition, uh, a sense of the true meaning, as it were, of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. Now, uh, I invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com 
If you have not listened to the other two messages, and I encourage you to go and listen uh, on that website to the archived messages, and you can get up to speed. Uh, but we're dealing now in the middle of the text that we're dealing with, verse 22, where Peter writes, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. As we brought to your mind at the beginning of this text, we were exhorted to holy living. And as we've taught you, the basis of you living a holy life, according to this text, is not so that you might have God become your father, but because he already is your father. We've also taught you in previous messages how that not all of mankind are the children of God, and God is not the father of all mankind, but he is the father of a world of people the Bible refers to as the elect. And it is for them whom Jesus Christ came to shed his blood. We brought to your mind how redemption was not according to worldly things, the silver and gold, and it was not according even to a precious holy law, which is what he referred to in verse 18 when he said, your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He's saying there that even living as close to God by keeping laws as you can get, he said, now on this side of Calvary, that is a vain conversation. That is a vain manner or way of life. It is not effective worship, and you will not feel the power and the peace of God in that. Okay? Well, he said that redemptive blood, and we've taught you how that it came 2,000 years ago through the shedding of the precious blood of Christ, our Paschal or our Passover lamb. He was without blemish and without spot. We taught you how that blood was made effective, not because of anything that you chose to do, but because of what God chose for you, how that he applied the merits and the effects of that blood unto your case. And so therefore you stand justified before God being bought and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and the merits and the knowledge of that being applied to you through the power of the Holy Spirit when you were born again, that also by the monergistic working and power of God. So now he says in the midst of this, verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. We taught you how that whatever this purification of the soul is, you obtained it through the Spirit. Okay? Again, we read, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So the purification of your souls is because you heard and believed and obeyed the truth. Well, how did you do that? Did you do that to get born again? Or did you do that because you had been born again? You didn't do the, you didn't, you don't trust and believe and receive this purification to the Spirit. You've gotten it through the Spirit, and we spent a good bit of time teaching you the distinct differences between to the Spirit and through the Spirit. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, carrying on in our text here, we need to then ask the question, well then, to what does purifying your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit refer to? What, to what does that refer? Again, he said, your souls, in some sense, have been purified through your obedience and trust of the truth through the Spirit of God. Now, what does that purification refer to? Okay? It refers to the purity of the believer's conscience, the assurance through faith in Jesus Christ that we are genuinely children of God and bound for heaven. 
okay? See, this is showing you something that has been acquired for you. This is a purification, not of your eternal sin debt before God the Father. No, that was placed upon Jesus Christ and satisfied. But this is a purification that takes place in your hearts and in your mind, okay? By this purification, this trust, being justified by faith is what it's called. Crippling doubts that we all suffer from are purged. We can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Evidence of God's undying love abounds in us through trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ in obeying the truth and following him. Yes, wonderful evidence that God's undying love abounds in us already. Oh my goodness, my friends, if that doesn't bolster you, I don't know what can. Faith in Christ in our hearts declares to our minds that we stand already just before God. I say that again. The faith that you have, that faith was given you by Christ, is the gift of God, child of God, elect child of God. But that faith in Christ that was worked in you by the new birth of the Holy Spirit in your hearts does something to your minds. You see, the Spirit has our hearts. Faith resides in our hearts. But see, that faith then declares something to your mind. I like that it goes northward. It goes from the heart, the seat of emotions, and it comes in and invades and helps to transform your mind. So that you not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, according to Romans chapter 12. You see, the faith in Christ in your hearts declares something to your mind. And that declaration is, you stand already, believer in Christ, just before an almighty God. You will not be left at that final judgment day on any accord of your own, on any merits of your own, because we have none. And, you know, if somebody says, well, it's part Jesus and part me, that part you will always corrupt you. That part you will always cause you doubts and fears. That part you that you might think that you're leaning upon is a rotten shaft and a man will lean upon it and it'll pierce through his hand. No, it is rotten. It is no good. It's like a bruised reed, ready to be broken. But faith in Christ, that Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But when your faith resides in him and him alone, I'm not saying your faith in your faith. Oh, my faith in my faith isn't very faithful. <laughs> but my faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ is... And my friends, I today as a truster in Jesus Christ and you under the sound of my voice, if you're a truster in Jesus Christ, a believer in Jesus Christ, friends, stop thinking there's something more for you to do because Jesus has done it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We see this alluded to, this purification in the word of God. We go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. Notice the wording here. Uh, by the Apostle John, and every man that hath this hope. And what is that hope under consideration? Well, we don't talk about how the Lord's coming back. We shall see him as we is. Uh, you know, behold what manner of love that God hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. He says, look, if you have this hope in you, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Now, if it stopped right there, you would say, well, I've got to keep that hope alive and that hope strong for me to be purified before God the Father at the last day. No, 
Thank God it doesn't stop there. There's a comma there and the text goes on. I begin again from the beginning of 1 John 3, 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You see, anyone who could ever, you know, love the truth and obey the truth under the purification of themselves, of their souls in this manner, in our text in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25, anyone who can ever come to that point of feeling and experiencing that purification, it's only because he already is pure before God the Father. Every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. If you think that purifying yourself is somehow making you pure before God at the last day, too late, you're already there. And you just need to accept and rejoice in that finished work, friends. I don't know why that makes people mad or upset. No, if you, my friends, are trusting in Jesus today, then your soul is being purified day in and day out and your trust and you're leaning on Jesus Christ because you're not leaning on yourselves Oh, man is altogether vanity. In his best state, he's altogether vanity, according to the psalmist. And I don't want to depend on anything I've got. No, I don't want to be found in my own righteousness. No, but I want to be found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I believe that I shall. Why? Because he's already purified me through the Father's undying love, the, fa the Son's perfect sacrifice, and the Spirit's 100% successful application of those things and bringing me vitally into that. So see, I am pure before God the Father. But the more that I trust in him, the more it purifies Joe's heart and soul. And I don't have to lean upon those uh, frivolous, failing things like my own efforts, my own devotion, and even my own faithfulness because those things wax and wane, friends. I'll tell you, that's a, that's a false hope. If, you're, if your faith is in your own faith, then your faith is in something that is totally faithless. Your faith must be in Jesus Christ. Notice in Hebrews chapter 10, we see the same thing alluded to, verses 19 through 24. Having therefore, brethren, notice all things you have. You've got to have before you can get to what we're going to ultimately speak of here. Hebrews 10, 19 through 24. Having, that means you already have. Therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, that means into the very presence of God the Father in heaven. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, there's that redeeming blood, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Friends, you're not gonna get to heaven through a curtain. You're gonna get to heaven because that flesh, that perfect body of Jesus Christ was parted for you suffered for you, was crucified for you, and he's consecrated the way. It's a new and living way. It's not like in the Old Testament. They thought the only way uh, to draw nigh to God is that they had to bring blood of pigeons, uh, of, of turtle doves, of, of goats, and of heifers, and, and of bullocks. No, he said this is a new and living way. Oh, that, that old way wasn't a way. It was just a type and shadow of this new and living way. It's the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, having that, having this new and living way, verse 21, and having an high priest over the house of God, that priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, there's only one of those and his name's Jesus Christ. There'll never be another one. There's never been one before. It's only Jesus and having an high priest over the house of God. Now, having, 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 now what does he say in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10? Having all of those things, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's he talking about there? Are you getting born again? No, he is speaking of the same thing that our text today in 1 Peter chapter 1 is speaking of. In verse 22 of 1 Peter, he talks about uh, having uh, purified your souls through obedience of the truth. Now notice this verse 22 in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He said, in your trust in the finished work of all these things you already have, he said, you have the right and the ability to draw near, nearer and nearer unto God. Nearer to thee, Lord. Draw me today. Now, how can you do that? Because, my friends, you're trusting in him. If you try to come before the Lord with some kind of pitiful sacrifice saying, well, I trust in Jesus, but I, or but the preacher, or but the soul saver, no, my friends, let me tell you, you are trying to offer some strange fire. And if you could ask Nadab and Abihu how that went, go to the word of God, you'll find that offering strange fire before the Lord doesn't end well. No, friends, do we want to have a more sacred nearness with God and assurance and a comfort and a strength of our salvation while we live here? Then that's what's under consideration in this verse 22. You've been sprinkled. Your faith has purified your souls and shown you what God has done for you. And it's a perfect and a beautiful work. And now we can draw near to him. We have the right to minister in his tabernacle, so to speak, being shown forth to be a king and a priest unto God. Now notice verse 23, building on that, he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. How is it that our faith has such power? How is it our faith purifies our souls and doesn't do anything for us before the bar of divine justice at the last day. No, Jesus is the only hope we have for that. But what does it do for us day by day here? It comforts and strengthens us. It's like Jesus holding our hand while we walk through this life, assuring us, you belong to me. Why does our faith have effect and power? Because of the parenthetical statement in verse 23, for he is faithful, that promised. You see, our faith rests in the faithfulness of the Lord. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. So here he said the blood of Christ, again, as we've spoken in earlier messages, it was through the eternal spirit. That blood was offered not to the sinner, but for the sinner unto the father. The blood of Christ offered by the spirit unto the father, Never do you see there or anywhere else that that blood has ever been offered to the sinner. No, it's been offered for the sinning elect of God to make them pure before the bar of divine justice. But now seeing that that same blood, my friends, dwells in our hearts, he said, it'll purge your conscience. Purge means purify. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, all of those referring to the same thing. It's a purification that we receive in trusting Jesus Christ. And it's not a purification that makes us fit for going to heaven. No, it's a purification that takes away and helps to purge us from our doubts and fears and false confidences. And we can fully trust in Jesus and have a more beautiful communion and fellowship with him. So now, Peter then, again, drives home the power 
that must already have been worked in the soul of man for him to ever experience this purified conscience. Here in verse 23, here he, he puts the other slice of the eternal working of Christ's bread on the sandwich of this joy. Verse 23, he says, being born again. And see, this can't happen. You can't have this purification of your soul except you've already been born again. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Now, someone would say, see, that confuses me because it says that you're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, but by the word of God. Now, someone may think, well, that word of God means the Bible and the gospel, right? No, not necessarily. The term, the phrase, the word of God, or the concept of the word of God is used in a, a multitude of ways in the New Testament scripture, and certainly not always meaning the preaching of the gospel or the reading of the inspired Bible, okay? You see, the word of God under consideration here is the divine command from God into the dead soul of men, whereby he, that those men, are then made alive. To wit, they're born again by the Spirit of God. This word of God, under consideration here, is being is synonymously stated as the new birth. All right? Obviously by the context. All right, you're being born again by the Spirit of God. That spirit is the pneuma, the breath of God. How does God pronounce a word unto mankind? He does it by the medium of the Holy Spirit of God, communicating to us, sharing with us, enlightening us. So see, this word of God is not talking about the preaching of the gospel or the reading of the Bible. It's speaking of the immediate Holy Spirit regeneration worked into the hearts and minds of men. It is that new birth alone that can reveal to man the depravity and vanity of his natural born being. And that's the word of God under consideration here. Not the Bible from which I'm reading right now and not the words that myself as a preacher of the gospel are emanating uh, for your auditing ears today. No, it is the divine command of God directly into the dead heart of a sinner bringing him into everlasting life. And we see this alluded to in Romans chapter seven. In verse nine, the apostle Paul uh, expressing his experience, said, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, the commandment, the word of God, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He said, before I was born again, you know, I would look at the law and I would, I would feel alive. I could, he said, I could use it to persecute people. I could use it to feel superior. He said, but when the true commandment came, that law that was written on stone tablets was then placed in the heart by the spirit of God. He said, sin revived. That means sin became alive to my senses and I died. And then in verse 18, notice what he said. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That means he's not saying that in me is no good things. He said, no, but there's part of my being, which is still fleshly, that I'll still have to live with until uh, the Lord brings me home. For now, my friends, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're both flesh and spirit, all right? He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh. That fleshly part of me dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not, Okay. Here he's saying that it is the divine command of God is the only thing that can show you your innate worthlessness. 
All right, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But what does he go on in that same context and tell us the only way that a man can see past the nature of being a man is when he's given a new and divine nature and that must be revealed by the spirit of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. How is it, my friends, that your flower faileth and your grass withereth today? That means uh, what you were born in this world as, you see how frailing, how frail and how failing and how useless it is before an almighty God. You can only see that because that wind, that divine command, that spirit has already come and caused you to be born again. Romans 8, 13 through 14. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Notice what he said. How do you mortify the deeds of the body? How do you ever see that your grass withereth and your flower faileth? How is it that you can see your uselessness? You're not going to see that uselessness until, my friends, the Spirit comes into you and shows it unto you. But if ye through the Spirit, not to the Spirit, again, there's that through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now notice we close in Isaiah chapter 40. If you want to see this passage of Scripture, this quoted from uh, this passage that states, oh, the, the, the grass withereth and the flower thereof fadeth, talking about how the Spirit of God, when you're born again, you... You've been made to see your own worthlessness, that you're worthy of nothing more than dying and burning. And I'll tell you, outside of Jesus Christ, you're worth nothing. How is it you can be brought to see that? Well, let's notice what was commanded or prophesied regarding John the Baptist. In Isaiah 40, verse 6, the voice said, that's the voice of God, said unto John the Baptist, cry. And John the Baptist said, what shall I cry? This is what we cry, or this is what we preach. All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. There, Isaiah writing of the inspiration of the Spirit is equating the word of God with the Spirit of God. And that is the only power that can shrivel up and cause to see man who he is in his carnal nature, that he's worthless, that he's worthy of going to hell. But my friends, by the time he comes to see that, that spirit is already revealed it unto him. And I'm here to tell you today, just as John the Baptist was told to cry or preach that man is ruined completely without the saving power in Christ, so we preach today. That's what I'm preaching today. Our preaching isn't the giver of eternal life, but we preach about the one who is the giver of life. This is the meaning of Peter's words. Verse 25, he says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Oh, my friends, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears today that I, as a preacher of the gospel, am not a giver or an imparter of life. No, my friends, I just publish the good news of him who is the only one who can give life. He's the only one who can make you see how worthless your grass and how fading and unworthy your flower is. Child of God, I'm here to tell you, oh, the spirit has blown. The word has come alive in your heart. And I want you to understand, my friends, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing this passage of scripture is power in 
it. Oh, my friends, enjoy the purification of your souls day in and day out by drawing nearer unto Jesus through the spirit that he's already given you. I thank you for your listening patience. And until we're able to meet with you again and speak on such august subjects, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ bless you very much. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.